0: Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchen from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel.
1: Hey friends, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you will. And Look, normally this time of year, you don't hear much from us outside of a little bit of a trade review and how that impacts Your super coach, your AFL fantasy, your dream team and your keeper leagues. But we thought we'd do something a little bit special for you today. Uh, Joining me on the podcast as he does most weeks and
0: uh, maybe we'll get him to launch a little bit into what we're going to do today. I've got Kane. Hello, buddy. How are you? Hello, MJ. This is a very unique um, discussion point, I guess. A bit of hindsight, a bit of what could have been. It's it's exactly what it's all about. It's all very interesting.
1: Yeah, look, we're going to redraft and we're going to do it between now and the start of the 2020 AFL draft period, which is uh, the early part of December, is we're going to redraft. Let's pick the year 2013. Now, here are a couple of the caveats that we want to add along. This is not fantasy booking entirely. There are some rules we're going to keep to. One of those is if a trade went down to move a pick, e.g. Melbourne slid back from pick two to pick nine. They also secured Don Tyson in that trade. We're going to maintain that GWS still hold that pick two. So we're going to keep that rule still in place. If a club had a father-son that they had to pick, it's a little bit different to now as opposed to five or six years ago. Back then it was pretty much the AFL almost kind of forced you into which pick you had to use. So there's only one father-son in the top 20, which we're going to do today, came okay, the, the first round. That's North Melbourne. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. But beyond that, is there anything else that for you, you think is really important? We need to make sure for coaches, panel listeners, they go, this is the mindset or the intentionality of what we're doing with this redraft.
0: I think the other thing that you probably have to keep in mind is much as it could change decision-making for future drafts, and obviously we know that, there's six drafts after this 2013 crop that we have information available to. Um, I think for a lot of the time, we're assuming that, you know, they'd probably bring in those players as well. Yeah. Maybe there'd be some considerations, but I think in terms of how the players would fit what we know, I think we're basing it on that. And it's more the discussion point of would they have done this trade or would they have maybe picked somewhere else? But I think for the most part, we're assuming that the other drafts are completed as they went down. Yep. And these players that we're you know, reallocating in this lot um, are going to be supported by those players and the players that were already on the list.
1: Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair summary. What we're going to do is we're going to take it in turns, odd and even numbers. I believe I've cast the even numbers. So I've got the dreaded pick one that we're going to talk about soon. And then Kane and I have no visibility of what each other are doing. Uh, so there could be some real-time frustration that you see from me uh, just making its way through this episode uh, and it's safe to say that things could get interesting.
0: Yeah, I think for this one, MJ, you'll take the odds and I'll take the evens.
1: All right, Is that fine. fair? Yeah, okay, okay, fine. You kick us off. The next one, that's certainly going to be the case. Here's what we need to remember ourselves. Out of this list, Lewis Taylor, <laughs> the rising star. Now, when you, even just you get through some of the names that are in this list, you're going to be shocked. And again, you're going to be certain clubs that when you get to your pick, I'm guaranteeing you, your best player will already be well and truly gone.
0: The only other thing MJ wanted to let people know is we'll be using rookies because yep. they were available to the national rookies, draft pool pre-season. and obviously they spilled over. We won't yep. be using rookie elevations. I know no. when people look through you know the Wikipedias of each draft and it has all the movement. Um, obviously rookie elevations was a key part of how things were done. Yeah. But if they're already on a list, can't they can't. don't count, it's the ones that were Available to the pool. If they yep. scored over to a rookie, all's fair, but they couldn't have already been on a list and, you know, be rookie elevated that year. We're not, yep. we're not considering those guys.
1: All right. Yeah. No, that's fair enough to me. So someone like I think of Rory Laird might have been one of those rookie elevations or Jeremy McGovern. You can't touch them. They're already locked into the club. But if they got redrafted in the preseason or the rookie draft, well, maybe it's fair game a little bit. All right. Well, if I'm going off at pick one, there are some big, big names at the top of the tree that there's probably arguably like, a clear three that I'm going to say are up there and you can't really go wrong with either. And definitely if you're GWS, when you got pick one and two, I think you just get the good crumbs from the table from whatever I give you, Kane.
0: Well, you go, you go one, give us your one. All right.
1: If I'm redrafting, I'm picking Marcus Bontempelli in at number one ahead of Patrick Cripps. Now you've got pick two in a second. And so maybe you go one, two, two of the best players right now in the game, but I just, I love so much about Marcus Bontempelli. He rates elite in the AFL over his career, for inside 50s. He's elite for clearances, center clearances, um, elite for what he does in terms of score score launches and shots at goal, um, elite for what he does in terms of meters gained. Is not just that inside damaging midfield bull that GWS kind of Didn't really have in at that time. Um, But also, he offers something in a forward avenue that for me, even though I love Patrick Cripps and there's far from a slide on him, just love that extra dimension that what I could get as GWS coming alongside. Uh, In uh, GWS, they already had Trelaw, they had Taylor Adams, they had Ward, they had Cornelia, they had a bunch of big midfielders. They didn't quite have a player like Marcus Spontempelli on the list.
0: Well, remember, MJ, they've just traded Taylor Adams, Heath Shaw with Collingwood in this period as well. So That's right. uh, Dylan Shields still on the list, Stephen Canelio, Tom Scully, Lockie Whitfield, um, Devin Smith's obviously playing as a forward. So the midfield is absolutely loaded. We know how many players have obviously left the club from the Giants and gone on to be, you know, premier midfielders in other teams. So, yeah, Marcus Bonson-Pelly is hard to go by. And I think, like you mentioned that foot skill, yeah, it's a real it's... point of difference. So sort do of the likes of you know Trelaw, Ward. Um, Disposal is not really their game. It's obviously no. Adam. has got that great burst, and Callan yeah. Ward's as tough. But there's anyone and leads so well. So I pick two. Oh, this will be good. <laughs> I'm taking Charlie Cameron. He went pick seven in the rookie draft. Wow. If I'm the Giants, knowing what I have on this list in that engine room, as much as I love Patrick Cripps, the upgrade I'm getting in the small Ford category. I've already got Jeremy Cameron on the list, an absolute star. I don't think there's anyone in the game in the Ford line at the moment. That's more deadly, more dangerous than Charlie Cameron and the Crows got him in the rookie draft in this year, slid past all the national selections. Yeah. And really, if you look at this 2013 season, Jeremy Cameron, 62 goals, the next best, Devin Smith with 16 and then Jonathan Giles with 14. You put a Charlie Cameron in this team. Again, we know what he's going to be surrounded by in the future with the likes of Finlayson, Himmelberg. We know Stevie J is a guy that's going to be in this team in the future. I think if you have a guy like Charlie Cameron, the difference maker he is, I just think with the amount of midfielders you've already got in this giant side, and we know are going to leave in the future, Yeah, but they just keep replacing him. And, and even the ones they replace them with, get replaced again as picks traded out. So yeah. I think if you've got a chance to bring in a guy that is, as I said, the best small forward in the competition. And interestingly, That's MJ, him. next year, they try to address this need. They yeah. pick Jared Pickett at pick four in the 2014 draft That's to right. address this need. Yeah. You've got Charlie Cameron as a GWS giant. I think that would be unbelievable. Uh,
1: and again, knowing he went pick seven in the rookie draft to the Adelaide Crows. Still on the board and, and, and won't be for much longer. Are names like Patrick Cripps, who who went to Carlton, kind of you know around about nine or ten. You got Josh Kelly, who was the original second round pick. So that's a big, big readjustment, really, from what the original draft was right there.
0: Yeah, so we've got Tom Boyd, who was the original pick one, and Josh Kelly was that original pick two. Which, like you mentioned, Melbourne, it was their pick for finishing second last. Yep. They chose to take Dom Tyson and slide back. And there was a few um, other picks shuffled. But the simple part was they slid back to nine. Um, so, yeah, after two picks, Tom Boyd and Josh Kelly are, are still on the table.
1: Well, well it, it really is a luxury item at this point in time, isn't it? If you're St. Kilda and, and you're looking at what you've got in your midfield, because really at that time for St. Kilda, the leaders of that midfield was a, was Jack Stephen. And he was pretty much a lone hand. You had a David Armitage, who was a workhorse that was there. And then it's kind of just spattered with a couple of kind of sort of guys and solid enough citizens. But really, the midfield, and that's why they went for a Jack Billings originally is they wanted someone with elite kind of kicking skills, but they also wanted to add to that midfield as well.
0: Yeah, you look at what they had in the list. Again, Montagna, older. Del Santo's just gone to North Melbourne as a free agent. Lenny Hayes is in the back end of his career. Um, Clinton Jones was another workhorse and we know Armitage has a really good breakout season but outside of that season he wasn't really doing much else so if you've got a Patrick Cripps that is you know your centerpiece and probably would be the captain if he was at that club as well uh, again you build around him imagine going from Hayes to Cripps um, exactly
1: Well, that's why for me, I'm picking him at three. Like, I love Josh Kelly as a player. And maybe, you know, when you've got your pick four as the Western Bulldogs, maybe that's where you head. There's some other really important players to get to. But if I'm St. Kilda uh, and I just go, he is a workhorse. He is a warrior. He is a great cultural fit. Imagine having him learn off the craft of a Lenny Hayes, both in terms of the ball winning, but also then that leadership where Carlton have really lacked that for so much over the past decade or so. As much as Gibbs and still, you know, Silvani's tried to instill that as a list manager. You know, Murphy has tried to bring that in. Cruiser, you've got some incredibly strong players, but imagine having that mentoring it's just going to round out Patrick Cripps even stronger. And then now we know what they've gone and done with the rest of that list. All of a sudden, maybe Jack Steele in time doesn't head towards St. Kilda. Maybe, maybe not. But for me, if I'm looking as a St. Kilda, um, I, I love Josh Kelly. He's that perfect in and out player, but I see Patrick Cripps, who, who I as a St. Kilda fan, I'm just going, and how did he get to my pick at pick three? Happy days. I'm picking Patrick Cripps in at number three. But you have pick four. This is where Bont originally went in the draft. He was shocked for many people. It was like, man, he had a great back kind of quarter of his under-18 tournaments. But really when people found out he was flying up, I think it was the Gold Coast, where they did the AFL draft that year. It was like, why why are we flying up this kid? Like he's a, a second rounder, a third pick. Well, for me, I think he's the best player in this crop. Who are you taking that the Bulldogs originally got Bont? Who takes his place for you at the Western Bulldogs?
0: I'm going to take James Sicily, MJ. I'm going to take James Sicily. Again, I look at the midfield that the Bulldogs had, and we know what happened to these players in the future, but their current crop in 2013, they, they delist Daniel Cross, who ends up playing for Melbourne, but outside of him, Matthew Boyd, Ryan Griffin, which we know next year will be involved in a trade with Tom Boyd. Would that have happened? Would that not have happened? Tom Liberatore, Adam Cooney is still a very, very solid player, averaging 22 yeah. touches a game. They've got a young Jack McRae. They've got Luke Dalhouse. They've got Mitch Wallace, who we know back then, he was going to be an inside midfielder, no doubt about it. It's, he's done so well to recreate himself. I think if you add a guy like James Sicily, with his ball use and his intercepting ability, there's just not many players like him in the league. And that's really the only knock that's hurting Josh Kelly here is that The midfield is not an area of real concern. Obviously, they did so well finding a player like Bont. And obviously, if Bont was available at this pick now, I would take him. I would have him ahead of James Sicily. But looking at what they've got, I just don't see him as a massive need, Josh Kelly. We've still got a young, Lockie hunter. And Sean Higgins is one that's going to move soon to North. But again, who sort of knows with the way he moves, um, he can play all those sorts of roles. We've still got... Clay Smith we've still got Liam Picken hasn't moved his you know real defensive role that again you obviously you're building on a strength there taking a mid and, and Kelly's a really classy one at that but again I think you've still got enough midfield depth that the difference maker that Sicily can be in defense with that ball use and that intercepting yeah uh, is awfully tempting for me at the doggies
1: Wow. James Sicily again, one of those great picks. Hawthorne, like I love what they did in this draft. Like when you go back and have a look at it, it was the year Buddy Franklin left. They pretty much turned pick 18 and 19 um, into Ben McAvoy, who was really critical. And again, they find some great flyers late, including James Sicily. They had a couple of busts through the 20s and 30s. Billy Hartung didn't really play off for them. Who was an early second round pick. Uh, Dale Garland was arguably one of the most talented players in the draft, but just the off-field side of things just didn't really work out for him. And so here you have a team that I think they go on to win the next two grand finals after losing what was probably the best player in the comp outside of Gary Ablett, give up two first round picks for a Ruckman and then go on and win a couple more premierships. And Jag, really, let's be honest, probably their future captain, one of the best, if not the best, intercept players in the league. And now, as you've said, he's a top five pick in our redraft what a huge draft coup from Hawthorne
0: yeah unbelievable again they're so good at that time of picking up players in the later portion of the rounds and it's still a trademark this day we know James Warple recently has been a guy they found late and won the best and fairest in in his second year so yeah um is this the time Josh Kelly goes off the board, MJ, to the Gold Coast Suns?
1: Well, pick five, Gold Coast Suns, went and got Cade Collard-Jazzy, who for the first couple of years of his career showed a lot of promise off the halfback. Great rebounder, uh, found his way to get to, to plenty of footy, even looked at times where he could push up the wing. Really great secondary option. Um, for a a Jared Harborough who was still very much at his peak, Matt Shaw was still at the club as was a Trent McKenzie who wasn't really used as a tall back then. Stephen May was still at the club. So for really from a Gold Coast perspective, they're actually in a A pretty decent position. They come off an eight-win season. They've got Gary Ablett just coming off 21 games, still at the peak of his powers. They still have the future Richmond best and fairest um, and premiership player Dion Prestia. Yaya O'Meara is still very much alive and well for their footy club. Greg Broughton, um, there's an old fantasy footy name for you who's rolling around um, through the midfield. And Harley Bennell um, started to see some injuries appear through that year, just the 15 games to him through here. But again, if I'm Gold Coast, what did I love about Cade Asney? I loved his class and his decision-making. And that's why, for me, I see someone with the skill set and ability of a Josh Kelly still on the board. Like, you can't go past him at pick five. When you look at what he's been able to do across... His career, Um, he's elite in the AFL over his career for meters gained. He's elite for effective kicks. Um, He is elite in terms of the pressure act. So it's not just what he does with the ball. It's what he does outside of with the ball. And then he just finds a way to get himself into damaging positions as well over his career, averaging well over 20 plus disposals. And yeah, there's a couple of injury concerns through there. But as you think about what does happen through that Gold Coast midfield, In a year or two's time, Gary Ablett's shoulder goes and really the the decline of Gold Coast starts to take place with Prestia, O'Meara, Benel all moving out. Can you imagine that midfield unit of Ablett and Kelly and Prestia and O'Meara becoming the third and fourth midfielders? All of a sudden, that potential dip that we saw of Gold Coast might just not have taken place because they've got the big forwards. They've got Tom Lynch still there. They've got Stephen May. They've got that there. Yeah, they could go for a Ruckman. Toby Nankervis, maybe he appears in these top 20. Who knows? He got picked up by Sydney. I think it's around about pick 35, but yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I see Josh Kelly on the board. I see a club that needs skill and poise and decision-making. I need an elite runner. Josh Kelly, tick, tick, tick for me. He goes in at number five. And then for you, Kane, you got pick six Collingwood. They have two top 10 picks in this draft. And the reason they got this one, this one I believe was traded via from West Coast Eagles.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They coupled a few picks up together to slide up the order from 11 to six. And clearly they had a player in mind. The player they ended up picking was Matt Scharenberg, who unfortunately know due to injury just hasn't got a run on -on 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 it after being a really you know, a guy that can defend, but also could use the ball really neatly out of defense. Yeah. But the guy I'm looking at, we've just lost Dale Thomas to the Blues.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think I'm going to replace him with a guy that there has been rumors they want to get this guy in current day. And that's Zach Merritt.
1: Nice.
0: I love the way, you know, he's got that beautiful balance in his game. He's probably better on the outside with ball in hand. He's certainly more than capable at tackling. We know fantasy wise when he's doing that, He's one of the best scorers in the game. But that age bracket, we've just brought in Taylor Adams in a trade, which we know is going to be beautiful. He's going to win a Best and Ferris with us. Super tough inside player. But I think if you've got a merit, you can see him having a similar career directory to Steel Sidebottom. Probably doesn't hit the scoreboard as much as Steel. But again, runs really hard, really neat by foot. And I think if you've got a midfield of Adams, Pendlebury, um, they're probably still going to bring Treloar into this lot. You know, Beams goes and then comes back. Um, I think it's a type of unit that you can see why they were really pushing during this time. And I think the good thing about Zach is he can play anywhere and he can let other people to play anywhere as well. And they've got that versatility with the likes of of Steele and Zach. And we know that he was, him Day already one of the best players in his second year at the Bombers. So you're not going to have to wait too long if you got Zach Merritt at the Pies to you know, get some reward about what he delivered. Whereas we know a Sicily, it was a few years down the track before you got to see that. Obviously, that's pretty normal for a key position player. And I think now with where he is in the game, he's certainly going to repay that. But Collingwood's going to get a guy in Zach Merritt that pretty quickly is going to be in that best 22 and contributing.
1: I love the Zach Merritt call again. uh, Richmond got a, uh, not Richmond, sorry, uh, Essendon got a fantastic pick up with Zach Merritt. Originally went uh, pick 26. You know, his brother was playing at the club too. It wasn't the only time. Brothers got reunited in this draft. Just a few picks earlier. Matt Crouch joined his brother Brad at the Adelaide Crows. And so there were plenty of family reunions that are going on this time. I love the pick. So, so far, Marcus Bontempelli, Charlie Cameron, Patrick Cripps, James Sicily, Josh Kelly, and Zach Merritt heads off to Collingwood. Pick seven in this draft. This is where it starts to open up a little bit, doesn't it? Where it could potentially, now we know pick eight, your kind of hands are forced a little bit next with what North Melbourne do, but we'll get you to talk about if they weren't forced, maybe where you might go. Maybe I'll ask you that a, a little bit later on. But if I'm Brisbane, um, who had this next pick on their list at that time, they are really kind of in, no man's land if we're to be honest in terms of where they were um their draft positioning you know kind of reflected where they landed which was 10 wins but if you even if you look at some of their percentage in that like an 89 like that that's not going to do any damage to sides that's right in that in-between land we're kind of for say give a better example right now it's kind of where Essendon find themselves in got a lot of very good players game style wasn't really advancing them anywhere not really that much of a weapon um, in terms of who's leading their midfield because clearly the recruit of James H they were thinking about a midfield selection through there Rockliffe who we know has later moved on to Port Adelaide as a free agent Jack Redden has later moved on to become a premiership player at West Coast Jed Adcock is, is their third leading possession winner that year and then it's guys like Pierce Hanley who's a halfback Mitch Golby There's a name you haven't heard for a very long time listed in the AFL and a pretty green Dane Zorko um, had only started to just show his potential as a kind of a mature age recruit in the past little bit of time.
0: And MJ, look what they did in the trade period as well. Moving out, Doherty, Yo, and to a lesser extent, Jared Pollock. Yeah. So the first two in particular, you know, one's a captain of a club. The next guy is one of the most versatile players and was a really key cog in West Coast winning the Premiership, both on the offensive and defensively in the midfield. And we know anytime you need him anywhere on the ground, Yo can do a job for you. And then obviously to a lesser extent, Pollock, who ended up you know, going to Port Adelaide, which was back home for him. And then he want, again, he just got an offer. He couldn't refuse, didn't he, at North Melbourne. And now even they don't want him in the, in the side. So, but again, he's a solid player. He's, he's definitely an AFL player, Jared Pollock. And when I look at that midfield and the names you read out, you know, Simon Black played eight games yeah. that year, you know, that was his last season in the AFL from Correct. one of you know their best ever players. So you've got him and, you know, Brett Maloney, these type yeah. of guys, like it's amazing that they let a Doherty and a Yo and a, and a um, Pollock go, but clearly yeah. they didn't see that. And obviously those players were quite um, disgruntled again, yeah. the way Brisbane was trending at that time, it understands why. And all three of them, you know, went back to their respective home States. So, yeah. Um, who are you going to pull the trigger on with this pick then?
1: I'm uh, I'm going to ruin a family reunion at this point. I'm getting Matt Crouch in- into the side. I'm going to get uh, a player that clearly the midfield needs to be addressed. As I look at, you know, who's still on the board, there's still some very, very talented midfielders. Jack Billings, who went at number three in the original draft, he's still there. So maybe, you know, Brisbane, if that was still the case, they'd be like, we love that foot skills, but he's not an out and out midfielder. You've still got Adom Sheed who who's sitting on the board, an and Orazio Fantasias, not really a, a full-time midfielder, but he's kind of, now that Charlie Cameron's off the board, probably the most... X-factor type of half forward um, that's on the board. And so for me, if I'm Brisbane, I'm looking at who's available. I know that Simon Black has now finished up his career. I need a guy that's just going to win the ball at the cold face. And as we've seen in the 2017 season um, of Matt Crouch, when he made the All-Australian squad, we we can see a guy that knows how to win the footy and knows how to be damaging. That year, uh, he ranked elite for disposals. Um, And ranked elite also for effective disposals in the competition, elite for contested and uncontested possessions, elite for ground ball gets right across the year, elite for score involvements. And again, this is a a footy team in Adelaide Crows that was firing on all cylinders. And then even just in the back half of this year, just gone, um, was one of not just the most improved but had probably one of the most important defensive players through the midfield. His defensive acts and pressure acts were just off the roof. So it's not just fantasy scoring because we're not really talking about that. But here's a Brisbane team that needed a midfielder, needed someone that could get it done on the inside and outside. They'd hoped Ash could do that. Played against Man as a junior. They really had high hopes for him. But for me, if I'm Brisbane, the best midfielder left on the board that can do it on the inside. Does need a little bit of work back then on his aerobic capacity. And to be fair, probably still needs some of that two-way defensive running to be more consistent in his game, but we saw it to the back half of last year. So for me, I'm taking Matt Crouch in a pick seven. In a pick eight though, your hands are tied a little bit though, Kane, about who you're going to pick. You end up with a father-son selection for the Kangaroos.
0: Yep. Father-son Luke McDonald, which until about, you know, around seven of this year, you know, he'd be lucky to be in the top, 20 players on this list. I think the way he finished the season, obviously he won the best and fairest, albeit not North Melbourne's greatest year, but um, he showed massive improvement in the back end of the year, didn't he? Leadership-wise, ball use, and it was pretty evident in the role. They wanted the ball in his hands at all costs. And again, he's not the best distributor, but he's very, very capable. And I think just his passion was something that I could see why he got so many best and fairest votes because he had a genuine crack. On the best player in the opposition's team, and still was able to provide some attacking options. So, would you have gone there in an open market, yeah. North Melbourne? No, there's probably a guy that they ended up picking at pick 47 that I'd be really interested in, in Ben Brown, mm. if I had this pick. Um, but Luke McDonald, if it wasn't for his late season charge, I'd be feeling you know pretty sick about landing him here. But really, um, with the guys that we've got still to come, he's actually not that far out of their, you know, league anymore. Again, yeah. I'd probably take the key tall and Ben Brown and a few other guys ahead of him. But really, it's not nearly as a disastrous pick as, um, as I'm locked into.
1: It, it could have been much worse. If we were redrafting this 12 months ago and I'm a North Melbourne fan and I'm seeing this And again, our restrictions are we're keeping the trades that went down. We're keeping the father-sons that went down. He showed probably his first year or two. I actually quite liked the development I saw from Luke McDonald. And then uh, as a few things have happened for North Melbourne over the time, he's just not quite delivered. But that would be, to be fair, a number of the players on the rest of this draft Um, it kind of gets to that interesting point. We've got that kind of elite five or six players right at the top. You've got the Crips, the Bontempelli, the Cameron, the Kelly, you know, that are arguably the elite five, Sicily, the elite intercepting defender. Then you've got some really workman-like midfielders in Merritt and Crouch who are different, but arguably two of the best midfielders that find themselves left on the board. And then you get to Melbourne. This one really interests me with what Melbourne do because I think they've got... They've kind of got two options, but really they all are the same. Think about a Melbourne team back at this point in time. They finished with the second last spot in the league, leading their midfield um, at this point in time. uh, Some pretty, you know, prime form Nathan Jones. And if you've got some recency bias, you don't realize just how good a player he was. Uh, You're a Melbourne fan, Kane, so you might be able to speak into it, but he's just that Lenny Hayes type of player or Patrick Cripps, if you want it, in the modern version of, he puts his team that at that time was very much underperforming, didn't really have a lot beside him. He had some guys that showed flashes like a Colin Sylvia, who ended up moving on as a free agent at the end of the year. And you've got, Matt Jones, who's, who's now playing just literally down the road from me in the EFL, um, now at South Croydon. You've got some guys that have shown something, you know, Jack Trengrove never really lived up to his potential. Same with Grimes, same with Watts, um, that never really lived up to the potential. But I think the biggest need that if I'm at the Melbourne list recruitment um, is really, I think your biggest issue is goals. I think that's the biggest issue as you look at what Melbourne have been able to do through there um, is your biggest goal scorers from the year you had two, two players that kicked over 20 goals that year Jeremy Howe kicked 28 and then your second is Jack Watts then the rest of the forward line is Aaron Davey, um, Jack Fitzpatrick, Shannon Burns, Chris Dawes and Dean Kent that's where the forward goals are coming from right now
0: it's very reminiscent, MJ, of, of Gold Coast a few years ago. The yeah. players that Melbourne brought in, you know, they wouldn't get a game for really any other club in the AFL. Again, yeah. there's a the four line of Shannon Burns, Chris Stores, Jack Fitzpatrick, an elderly by his standards, Aaron Davy, Yeah. And then Jeremy Howe, who clearly we know now is is a better player as an intercepting defender and a ball distributor. Yeah. And then Jack Watts. Again, you can see why the club was in the position it's in. You can, it's it's really evident because, again, Nathan Jones was the only guy to average more than 20 disposals. James mm-hmm. Magna played two games and had 20 more disposals, but it's hard to count that. Yep. And the other guys, Dean Turlick was the third best ball winner and it shows how much ball was in defence. Yeah. Um, so it's a really – this 2013 period was probably one of those, you know, rock bottoms in that Melbourne um, – in that Melbourne era we've had in the past, you know, 20 years. This is when there really wasn't even many bright spots on the list. They've used to pick on Jimmy Tumpus yeah. in the past year. And again, he played 14 games, average 12 disposals. Um, there's not many bright spots. There's again, not. Jack Viney's, um you know, was in that draft as well. And we know that he's a very, very serviceable player. But you look at this list and there's just way too many guys, you know, that aren't going to cut the mustard at AFL level. No. And, and for a good reason aren't in the competition anymore so it's true where are we going to go
1: well you find yourself heading into one of two avenues you either go get the big tall uh, and you go after a player like ben brown who for me is the best key forward that's in this draft right now and again some might be thinking this current trade period but he's no good well remember what he did in 2018 22 games 68 goals 2019 22 games, 64 goals. In 2017, 22 game, 63 goals. In 2016, 22 games. Remember, this is North Melbourne um, and he's got 41 goals. And North were doing fine, but they also had Petrie rolling through there. So he wasn't always the number one. So you've got that option. The other option, is you got the classy half forward in a Jack Billings, who's an elite ball user, um, who who actually was pretty decent defensively, and he's under eighteen years. St Kilda ended up picking him at pick three because they just wanted something dynamic to roll through there. So I think that's kind of the dilemma. If I'm in the um, Melbourne War Room, I'm going for a, do I want to get the tall, or do I want to go and get the small um, that can play a little bit through the midfield? For me though. Um, I'm taking Ben Brown. I, I just see what he can deliver that through there from Melbourne. I know that that has historically still been that difficult. Tom McDonald's playing defense still at this time on the list. I'm looking at really the only tools on the list. It's Watts, how Fitzpatrick and Dawes. Uh, I don't like any of those options. I'm going to go get Ben Brown.
0: Yeah. The other one we do have to remember MJ is we do have a very young Jesse Hogan. Who's just missed Who's just been brought into this pool with all, Correct. you know, with the mini draft, and he is available, but he doesn't play, we know, until you months. know 2015. So it's a long way. Um, you know, obviously that first year Jesse was eligible in 2014, didn't get on the park. But
1: yeah,
0: I still think you're on the money there because yeah. again, Tom McDonald, outside of his one season, is clearly better as an intercepting defender. Mm. You're gonna bring in Wiedemann, and ideally you want Hogan as that third tall, because you know his best season he played as a midfielder and that was his best strength was he'd get into the contest and then create a mismatch working hard back to goal. And obviously that's been the really hard thing for Jesse is his body hasn't got him in a position that that. he can execute that sort of stuff because again, that season when he was in the midfield and it's no surprise that Melbourne had their best season when he did that. Yeah. And he kicked 47 goals, but again, he was averaging 18 disposals a game as well. And, um, you know, beautiful kick inside 50. So, obviously, wish him all the best now as yeah. a GWS giant. But I agree. If you've got the key pillars of a Brown and a Wiederman, yeah, with Hogan as your third, who's again, extremely mobile when fit, I think that allows McDonald to stay back. And yep. Now, you've got, again, even if you still want to go after a Stephen May, you put Jake Lever in a position where he's the third tall, which is exactly where he wants to be. So, yeah. I think structurally for Melbourne, which, funnily enough, again, they're they're finally the coming issue, around to Ben it? Brown now. Yeah. Um, exactly right. And, and maybe they keep Tom McDonald and do move him back to be a key tall and take, um, you know, those big defenders and yeah. alongside Stephen May because, yeah, Jake Lever is in his best position when he's playing like Sicily yeah. as a guy that can intercept, come off and spoil and support and probably play on more of those um, smaller, quicker types as opposed yeah. to the really strong players, you know, like a Tom Hawkins or the like.
1: Yeah, and look, Melbourne originally picked Christian Salem here, and that's why they're going to be a little bit, do we go for Billings or not? Because we still recognise we need a classy user of the ball. So that's probably the dilemma for them there of going, we still haven't resolved the class issue within our side, but with a Hogan and a Brown, we believe we've now given ourselves a structure that we can build around and hopefully in future drafts, we can pick up some polish.
0: And I think MJ, we can categorically say we knew it in the way it happened in real life. Yeah. GWS clearly, clearly made the right decision giving up a player like Dom Tyson, who really was surplus to their needs. With again, we went through earlier just how many good midfielders they've got and they've added Marcus Bontempelli in this in this crop. Yeah. So so I think clearly, even repooling them and restructuring them, still the the tier jump off from a Charlie Cameron to a Ben Brown and the like that we're in this next gap, I think um, clearly a big win for the giants in, in this scenario and in, the way it's happened in real life.
1: I agree. All right. Well, we find ourselves back to you, mate. In at pick 10, Collingwood originally drafted a pretty speedy player by the name of Nathan Freeman. It had fans really excited that potentially he showed some hallmarks of a Patrick Dangerfield, who is just then at Adelaide, just starting to show some spark glimpses beyond just some moments quarter in, quarter out. If you're Collingwood, you've already gone and landed yourself a Zach Merritt. Where do you head now with your second top 10 pick?
0: Yeah, I think this is where I have to take Billings. There was someone yeah. else I was considering at this spot, but I think with what we know Collingwood have to come, I'll, I'll park that until this player gets taken off the board. But um, again, similar to Zach Merritt, in a sense that Jack Billings is just so versatile. He can play wing if he wants. I, I really love him, MJ, as that. That sort of hybrid forward, because for someone his size, it's you know just around six foot. Awesome hands, really good mark, really problematic matchup, and an elite kick, an elite field kick. I know his goal kicking at times has been has been wayward, but he's got that kick inside fifty that can really set you up. And I just think, obviously, originally he was pick three. I think here at pick ten, you're just getting a guy that's super super solid. He's pretty much between, you know, an A and B in you know, every skill set you want. It's just hard to go past a guy like him that's just shows up every week and you know what you're going to get.
1: I think he's a fantastic pickup. Uh, again, what did they love about Berg outside of the intercepting and, and that defensive element? What was he really known as, as a def- in her junior years? It was a, his ability to hit a target and his ability to use his foot skills. And while Jack's probably regressed, or not quite progressed, he's probably a better way to put it through that. We did see even in that elite year of 2019, um, now two years ago or two full football seasons ago, when Jack's in traffic, He's daring. When Jack's in traffic, he hits a target. And if you can imagine him with what Collingwood had on their list at that time, that complementary skills that he would have been able to add um, to the likes of a side bottom um, and to the likes of a Pendlebury. We know in time a Trelaw is going to come into that midfield unit, but I think he's a fantastic pick, man.
0: Yeah, I think it's hard to get – again, you've got Travis Cloak, MJ kicked 68 goals, which was huge. Again, yeah. Jamie Elliott was healthy this year with 30. But after that, it's Ben Reid and Dane Swan with 25 and 21. So, again, they had the likes of, you know, Sam Dwyer was playing games. Um, Jared Blair was obviously a staple. Josh Thomas, um, Andrew Cracker was playing games. But, but really, long-term, none of those are really, you know, super long-term consistent options. Mm. And I think, obviously, Billings gives you that extra flexibility of, um, you know, pushing up the ground as a, as a link player, if you want him yeah. to be, move him up even higher to the wing. I just think you've got that real versatility. And honestly, we haven't seen him do it, but with his kicking ability and his marking, there's no reason he couldn't play half back also if you needed him. So I just think, again, someone that's just rock solid across the board, um, hard to skip on at this point of the draft.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, man. All right, so there's we're halfway through the first round. So uh, in the original, Tom Boyd went to GWS. We're saying it's Marcus Bontempelli. Uh, in, in the real time, Josh Kelly went to GWS. We're saying it's Charlie Cameron. In the real time, Jack Billings went to St Kilda. We're saying Patrick Cripps jumped up early. And Carlton fans, no matter who you get when you get to pick 13, you're going to feel a little bit short So I'm really sorry about that one. Bond went at number four. We're saying it's Sicily. Collajazny went at five. We're saying they would have got a Gold Coast. Josh Kelly. Number six was Scharenberg. We're saying Zach Merritt makes his way there instead of to Essendon. At seven, it was James H. We're saying it's Matt Crouch. In at number eight, Luke McDonald. Well, he holds his form through there. In at nine, instead of Salem, Big Ben Brown makes his way to Melbourne and it seems like he's going to do it all over again. Nice work to him. And then the pick you've just done in a pick 10 Collingwood have landed themselves the slider of the draft, at least based on what we've done so far in Jack Billings.
0: It's interesting MJ, isn't it? Again, we mentioned that this is trade time and everyone has their opinion on what a player's worth, what a pick's worth. Again, this is a pretty good crop you'd have to say Mm. across the board and quite a deep crop, which we know, every year it seems to be a great crop and a really deep crop. And we know this year people are saying that there's a really clear top few. And again, we have got our our tiers of that in this where I think there's, as we said, that top three is really, really clear. You know, they're the best players in their position and then there's guys below. But what interests me is if we take out Luke McDonald, who we were sort of handcuffed to, and I think we'd all agree that he wouldn't make this top 10 if there wasn't that father-son attachment. There's only three of our top 10 Oh, sorry, three of our remaining nine, I should say, once we mm. take McDonald out, that were original top 10 picks. And they're yeah. Kelly Billings and, and Bont, which was two through four. Yeah, Patrick Cripps was originally 13 and he's made the cut as well. But that still leaves another five players that were beyond the top 20 that yeah. have made it into the top 10. So I think that's why for me personally, when I'm hearing a player that's proven at AFL level, Correct. especially if there's... Um, you know, no personal reasons or no off-field issues for them moving, I'm always pretty keen to take the proven commodity. I know there's obviously a large amount of salary that usually accompanies Absolutely. these guys when they move. But as we can see, some of the guys, again, Tom Boyd, we know he was a grand final hero, but um, you know, couldn't, un- couldn't unfortunately hang around at the level for a very long time. Mm. Collar Jasney and Schoenberg, you know, really unlucky with, with various injuries, same as Nathan Freeman. Um, James H has probably had a second life after as his third life at um, Fremantle with his old coach. And he looks to be, you know, a guy that's a very solid player, but again, he'd be getting nowhere near this top 10. And then Christian Salem's a guy that, you know, is still to play out and, you know, will be in the mix for this top 20. So I just find it very interesting that again, at the end of the day, you're betting on 18 year old kids and, There's always a lot of value in the draft all the way back.
1: It certainly is. Well, we're talking about uh, halfway through. Let's keep moving our way through the second half of it. It's West Coast. They land themselves in this pick at Dom Sheed, who, look, to be fair, solid player. And beyond one pretty incredible moment at the back of 2018, um, has been okay. The kick in the grand final that won them the premiership he's been and will continue to be while Dom Sheed is going to be a beloved member of the West Coast Eagles. But for me, at Pick a Lechardin, I'm not picking Dom Sheed. As I look at what West Coast have become and what they've drafted previously around, just not long before this, they picked up an Andrew Gaff, who they loved him for his outside run and for his skill. And so if I'm West Coast, I'm looking at a player that I go, who is it that's still left on the draft board? that for me, is going to add some skill. And if I cast my mind back into 2013, there was one player... Who was pretty darn incredible. He's a clear playmaker, had a pretty incredible beat test. Again, that doesn't mean anything back then, but a 14.5. This guy ran and grew some contrast to Luke Hodge in terms of his decision making and skill use. Um, I'm, I'm, of course, referring to, I'm going to pick Christian Salem for West Coast at this point, which feels like it might be a little bit early for some. They're going, Ben, hang on a second. What are you doing? There's still some really talented players on the board, and there is. But for me, what are West Coast known for is their ball retention, their players that can peel off and mark, and their players that use the ball well by foot. They've still got a Shannon Hearn and a Sam Butler. And so maybe, maybe they don't go down this road. But if I'm them, I'm debating whether or not I look at someone like, you know, I don't need a Toby Nankervis who's still left on the board because I've got Nick Natanui. I don't really need, you know, a Tom Barass. They might be able to go who they've gone and got a little bit later. Maybe a Darcy Byrne-Jones who's still on the board um, or, or there's some X factor that's still to come through there. But for me, what I love for what Salem has done and not fully lived up to for at Melbourne, but to be fair, He's never really been given the opportunity at Melbourne. He's been played in and out of position, moved around a lot, not always allowed that freedom to rebound and use those skills off halfback. Doesn't have speed. But West Coast, that game style right now, it's not about speed of running carry. It's about precision and elite ball use. And so for me... I think a Christian Salem sits really nicely. Imagine Salem picking up the ball um, off a Jeremy McGovern, who they've just, his intercept, gives the hands running off to Salem. He pinpoints Andrew Gaff out into space. And then a Jack Darling, who they have picked up not too long ago with a lead up, you know, ball out in front. Like that's just sublime skills. Um, And they've still got those workhorses on the inside. That West Coast team still has Prittis, still has Selwood, still has Shuey. Daniel Kerr that year was still running around. I know Bo Waters was still on the list, but he was injury-prone at that point in time. And so, yeah, for me, I'm going for Christian Salem.
0: Well, MJ, I I don't think there's a better fit for a player than Christian Salem at the kick-mark game of of West Coast. Again, like you said, speed's not really... um, his real weapon, it nice. is his ball use. And he's a very creative player with ball in hand. And again, that West Coast game style suits that perfectly. This is actually the first time we've gone off the script that I had oh, written out. Okay. So I would have actually taken Tom Barras if I yeah. had that pick. So but Tom
1: Barras they got anyway, but they picked exactly. him up at pick 43 originally. So yep. you're saying if you're in charge of West Coast, you're going, you know what? We, we identified him for a reason. And we're going to go and grab him, albeit a little early. I think
0: he's a great, you know, he's that great foil for McGovern. Again, they work so well together. I would have been awfully tempted. But if I've got a pick for Richmond here at pick 12, and we're talking about fit. Yes, they did pick Ben Lennon. I'm not going to. No, fair enough. I'm going to pick a guy. And if we want fit and we know what the modern Richmond became. Yes. When they really got going 17, 18, obviously 19 and 20. Yeah. Even though 19 wasn't a premiership. I, I imagine a ratio fantasia. Oh boy, in that Richmond Ford line imagine with his that. ability to push up the ground and get in behind and use that pace and finish. Yeah, uh, I just think it's a definite upgrade on Castagna. As much as he's a great servant, I think people have forgotten just how good a ratio fantasia is when fit. And I know there's been issues at Essendon, why he wants to get out. And I can understand why maybe we haven't seen his best football and Mm. his best health in the past few years. But if you imagine a guy like Orazio Fantasia in that current Richmond team, yeah, um, they already cause a mountain of problems for everyone. And I just think, yeah, when fit, Orazio is one of the best small forwards in the competition. I agree.
1: Were you tempted to pick Toby Nankervis at this point, knowing that eventually he gets there anyway?
0: Yeah. I, I did think that Ivan, the way Ivan Marich was playing at this time, you did have someone in the rock. Mm. Again, not of, not quite of Toby's caliber. And it was awfully tempting um, to grab him now. But I guess part of my brain as well, MJ, was, will I get him anyway in the future? Does mm. that make sense by that trade? And again, I'm clearly adding to a strength as well. You know, they've already had a butler go. You know, we know how good Castagna is, but again, it's hard to find a hole in this Richmond team. So, um, if my logic was that I was going to get Toby down the track via a trade, yeah, um, I figured uh, this guy is, um, you know, as I said, one of the best small forwards in the competition. The game style suits him perfectly, and I think just at the moment there's a bit of a stink on Aratiyo because he hasn't been on the field, and maybe people are valuing him less, but. Yeah. Again, I still have him. Went up and going. He's, he's in the, you know, right on that cusp of the top five small forwards in the game.
1: Yeah, I really really like that as a pick, and I think he's a he's a phenomenal player, and the attributes of what he has and what he brings, um, becomes a pretty well rounded um, inclusion to that Richmond team. This is where it gets interesting
0: for me, because this is Cal- the hardest one I found, MJ. This Calton- Carlton pick
1: were so difficult. And here's why Carlton is so difficult. Um, they've actually got a pretty reasonable midfield at this point in time. Chris Judd's still got a handful of years left. He's certainly not the Judd of the West Coast or early Carlton era, but he's still a very, very, very good player. Um, you look through the rest of their list. Um, Andrew Walker, really damaging flank, outside burst player, um, could go forward, could go back. Cade Simpson was arguably at that point in time, probably one of the best rebounding defenders of run and carry and ball use. Then rolling through the midfield, it's Murphy, it's Gibbs, Brock McLean. It's kind of like the fourth. You've got Mitch Robinson and Ed Kerno. We know that later on... Um, Chris Yaron and Eddie Betts both move on Yaron in, in, in a few 12 months. So later. And so if I'm Carlton, I'm, I'm pretty filthy that someone like an Orazio Fantasia has just missed. I've, I've just got Daisy Thomas into the side. So I've got a midfielder. So when you look at it, it does make it quite fascinating that Carlton went Patrick Cripps at this point, when you look at who's there and what they've gone. So, It really intrigues me that you look at who's there and they've clearly gone, we're looking for the next three to five years with our pick. And that's why they've gone Patrick Cripps. We need some inside support for Judd. We know that Murphy and and Gibbs, while they can play on the inside, don't always do their best work at times on the inside. And so we wanted a little bit of work through there. And so that's why for me, I found it really challenging. Do they go the ruck of a Toby Nankervis? Do they go? for there's a couple of different types of defenders. You've got a couple of tools through there that you could really look at, and then you've got a couple of running players um, to consider in like a like a Zach Jones or a or a James H You know, does does Ashe learn some of the craft where he went to Brisbane and he didn't, with really without exceptions of a Rockcliffe and a Redden, really didn't have much around him um, in and around that time. Um, but for me. Um, I'm going for Tom Barass. Uh, I I know in a couple of years' time, we're going to go and pick up uh, a a Jacob Wiedering. Michael Jamison um, is is still holding down a a relatively strong position for us in the the defence. Lockie Henderson's got one more year at the club before he moves over to to Geelong um, in a trade. Um, But for me, I, I look at what Tom Barass has done and can do, and the thought that probably in a year or two's time, Carlton don't go and get a Lockie Plowman. In a, in a trade they don't try and get um those kind of hybrid type march tools. bank maybe march yeah, bank, as well. they don't draft instead they've got him already there and so they go we're going to get that intercept play that can also lock down and so that's why for me I, I love what tom Barass has done at west coast i think if you imagine a defensive line of weedering Barass, um doherty um, has just made his way to the club in at this point in time. I don't feel like I really need to desperately add to the midfielder of whatever's kind of left on the board. Don't think I need a lockdown player just yet, knowing where they go eventually to. I think Barras is a perfect player that fills them out. Even though it is a big regression back on what Patrick Cripps was for them, and so well done to their recruiting team for do that. For me, I'm going to pick Tom Barras. You find yourself, my friend, though, at pick fourteen, GWS they picked Cam McCarthy. Who do you pick now?
0: I, if I'm GWS, I could not hand this card in quick enough. Yeah, Toby Nankervis, hundred percent. If, if I if I got to this position, and this is this off coming off a season where, to be frank, Jonathan Giles was terrific. Yeah, this is one of his best seasons he ever played. He played it, played all twenty two games, fourteen goals from the ruck. Um, again, not a massive ball winner, but that's, you know, not really his game, but um, you know, this, his first two years with them in 2012 and 2013, he played 42 games. Mm. Unfortunately after this, it's going to get really tough yeah. for Jonathan Giles. And we know that Shane Mumford is going to come into the club, but Correct. again, if you if you knew you had Toby Nankervis um, there, you'd probably, you know, hold off on that type of move and, yeah. and let him develop a little bit longer because He's the exact type of ruckman as well that mm. they want. They don't need a Brody Grundy, Steph Martin, you know, follow-up around the ground. They need that grunt, yeah. that physicality, um, and the ability that you can get behind the ball and slow the game down if needed. You know, yeah. if someone's really trying to put a score on you, we've seen Ancovis do that all the time. He did it so well in the final against Port, mm. went down back late, played the loose man and intercepted. Yeah. And frankly, Again, Mumford did bring the physicality, yeah, but he's not a marking Ruckman. He doesn't have that ability to really go behind the play and, and stop the bleeding or change the momentum like that. He's more of the the physical brute, which obviously worked well, but um, they keep just dragging him out for another season. And, and clearly this trade period, MJ, they think they're finally going to address yeah. a long-term Ruckman. And we know that Sam Jacobs was tried. And unfortunately for Sam, it just didn't work out. You know, he played so much footy before that, but I think Bruce is that type of guy. And yeah, if I've got Toby dane available, I just think with the midfield he's got around him to grow with that crew, Yeah, um, it's a long-term fix. It's not something like they've had to address pretty much year on year. And maybe now with Bruce, they can hand him the keys to the ruck and we'll get five years of Braden Bruce. Because yeah. again, that chemistry, you know you need that chemistry with the yeah. midfield. And as good as that Giants crew is, they they haven't had that with a Ruckman.
1: No, it's it's a great pick. And look, well done to Sydney for picking him up. I think it was about pick uh 34, 35, and then ultimately Richmond. You know, without him, you could build a case, definitely in 2017, but certainly, you know, these last couple of years as well, they do not win the premiership without what he's been able to bring into that side. Let's move our way to Sydney. They picked Zach Jones in this position. And so I I think if I'm Sydney, you know, I've I've come off the back of, you know, some grand final appearances. And uh, I'm feeling pretty happy about my team at the moment.
0: Buddy's on the way as well. Buddy is on
1: the way. We've just won it uh, pretty soon. And uh, now we're bringing in the best tall in the game. And so they're looking at that list. And and Zach Jones for them was, look, they loved the run that he brought into the side. But as I look at who's left on the board, there's a player that I think feels a need that later comes for them that's really important to fit. Um, I'm talking about the defensive line of the Sydney Swans. Dane Rampey is still at his peak right now, but he's been a really good player for a really long time. We've got Heath Grundy and Ted Richards both coming towards the back end of their career, especially Ted Richards, Um, but Heath Grundy's probably got a couple more left on him. We've also seen Andreas Everett kind of pinch hit forward and back uh, across through the year. The midfield, though, we feel really strong in. Um, We've got Josh Kennedy. We've got Ryan O'Keefe, yes, towards the end of his career, but we've still got him. We've got Luke Parker, who's only just now finding his feet. We've got a couple of role players rolling through there, an aging Jude Bolton, Dan Hannabury still relatively fit, didn't really miss a game, except I think maybe one throughout the entire year. Kieran Jack, you know, it's a really consistent team. And again, if a Fantasia's on the board, you'd love him. At this point in time, um, but for me, there's no real forwards now. Knowing that I'm bringing Buddy in, I don't feel the need to address that. There's a couple of midfielders that are probably tempting. You, you could look at Adom Sheed who's still on the board. A James Ash that has slid back a little bit um, is still very much there. But for me, I'm thinking about what is it that right now, at this point in time, four or five years down the track, do I wish if I'm Sydney, I had secured. I'm wishing I'd secured one of the best key defenders in the league. I know I need a Ruckman and there's a player like a Rory Lobb still sitting on the board too. And I'm really thinking about him, but I'm going for Alex Pierce who uh, went to Fremantle uh, at pick. uh, I think it was around about... um, in the picks thirties or the forties things about pick 37. Um, And I wrestled with whether or not I go for a a, a Ruckman through here, but coming off where I've, I've come, I know Mumford's just about out the door as well. For me, what I love about Pierce is no key forward in the league right now is getting a hold of Alex Pierce. Um, No key forward gets off the leash. And what I love then is it frees Dane rampy up to be able to be that incredibly dynamic kind of small, tall. It allows him to develop his craft, um, not just in, in the back of no one, but Grundy and Richards to be able to invest that knowledge into him where I go, okay, just by the time these guys are coming over the edge and we've still got prime buddy, we've still got this strong midfield, we've now got a tall defender that can hold us there. So I wrestle with Rory Lop because I know what I need, but I go, you know what? I'm going for Alex Pierce.
0: It's interesting MJ. And again, sliding doors on Alex Pierce would be the health. Imagine if you yeah. could say that, you know, he's going to be healthy because I agree it's probably a pick that you're really hoping comes through in the next, you know, 21, 22, 2023 seasons. Because yeah. like you said, when fit, again, he'd be in some all Australian squads, like that type of level player is he's definitely yeah. in my book when healthy in the top five lockdown fullback types. Yeah. Um, for that reason, I if, when I was putting together my board, I I would have had Rory Lobb just because I knew Sydney yeah. loved that two ruck setup. Again, yeah. at this season they'd just gone with Mumford and Pike, and again we know that that ruck forward has only really come into prominence the last sort of five years. That's so right. it would be a bit ahead of your time to go to a guy that um, you know is really that um, forward and ruck. Like it wasn't yeah. really a position that was you know sought after in the AFL, whereas clearly now it's something that everyone really wants is a a Ruckman and then a guy to assist.
1: Yeah. And the reason I kind of didn't go there is I had Kurt Tippett on the list who was kind of playing that role anyway. I've got Buddy Franklin on the way in. um, And and then I've already got um, uh, kind of some guys that I feel like can play some of that. I feel like I get very tall very quickly if I'm Sydney, where I've got Tippett, I've got Buddy coming in, Adam Goods is still playing a little bit tall forward as well as rolling through the midfield. Um, I I know I'm pretty happy with what I've got around the smalls around the side. Remember, they still had Tom Mitchell, Sydney at this point in time too, who was only just developing. That's why for me, I was like, you know what? I feel like we've got those hybrid rucks there, Um, those ruck forwards. I feel like the midfield's strong. I feel like I've got the running players, which is why someone like Ashid doesn't get a chance. I feel like I've got the hybrid defender um, is why Darcy Byrne-Jones doesn't get a pickup. And so, yeah, that's why for me, I went, look, I think the big area of need that we're going to need to address is an Alex Pierce. And so that's why for me, I went for him over someone, say like a Rory Lobb who I debated about, but then let's go to the next pick Uh, for you. only a couple more left to go. You pick 16 Geelong pick Darcy Lang in here. I'm intrigued to see where you go. Yeah.
0: Well, we know MJ, we always speak about how high we talk about in keepers all the time you back in Geelong's list manager Stephen Wells and the crew to pick really good players and yeah. unfortunately this one wasn't one of his best. Darcy Lang at 16, um, we know obviously went over to Carlton and now, and now delisted. So for me, a guy that I had earlier at Carlton, just the way my board panned out mm. and I think he's an upgrade on the player that you know they probably have in this position currently. And I've got Darcy Byrne-Jones. I, like it. I love I love his ability and we know he's an all Australian this year, but he can defend and attack. Like he's yeah. not just one or the other. I think, you know, the role he's probably competing with is the likes of Jed Buse and, and Jake college Yeah. Um, who obviously they got Jake later in this draft and has been a really good pick, but Jake doesn't really offer a whole lot going forward. He's very much um, the lockdown and, I think maybe he has a little bit more strength than Darcy in those one and ones. And we did see that Dustin Martin did get a hold of Darcy in those finals when isolated. But I think whatever he lacks, you know, under a college as and views in the defensive side, which again, I'm not going to say is a whole lot. Yeah. Because he probably plays on the smaller type of guys and does a really good job. Yeah. He's great on the rebound as well. And again, to get an all Australian, again, mm. albeit in, in not a super, um, Again, if you're picking all Australians, you'd be picking other positions before you picked, you know, a half back. But nonetheless, to Geelong to get a guy like Darcy Byrne Jones, yeah. I think it just fits in seamlessly to the back six they've already got and will be working with long term. And again, you're probably just getting a little bit more attacking output. And again, they love to kick mark, they love to possess the ball. And Darcy's yeah. more than capable. And what a great pick by the power to get him so late!
1: Huge, you know, they they um, use their pick 14. Um, that uh, they sent up to Brisbane and eventually made its way to GWS for Jared Pollock, And then in the 50s, they go and get themselves, uh, arguably one of the most damaging defenders that are going around at the moment. And Geelong, do they go and pick, if this is the case, they pick up Jake Collajazny later on in the draft. Do they go and get him in the next 24 months? They go and trade in and use first round selections from Carlton for Zach Tui and Lockie Henderson. Does that defensive unit change quite drastically now we know it's taken dbj a couple of years um, as it often does most footballers don't come in in first year or two and really establish themselves um, in in the competition and so yeah for me i really like that pick of uh, a darcy burn jones did geelong get tempted by a couple of the other midfielders that still find themselves on the board they've got some running players like a some outside players like Impy and Eamon are on the board. You've got Lobb, who we've alluded to. Zach Jones, Aish, and and Sheed is all still kind of there. Was there any more tempting of any of those picks? Or was it, you know what, it was Burn Jones or bust?
0: Well, I think, MJ, if we look at the current Cats lineup, you think about, you know, Menegole is going to find his way after some, you know, small stops at Hawthorne and and the Waffle and then Frio and the Waffle and all this sort of stuff. He's going to find his way. We've already spent picks on Duncan. We've already spent picks on Guthrie. Uh, we've, we've obviously got Joel Selwood still in the team. Paddy Dangerfield's not too far away. Um, and we've got so many guys now that can't even get into this side. So I looked at Burn Jones a little bit like Fantasia at the, at the Tigers. It's that upgrade on what you've already got. Yeah. Again, I just think you're getting a little bit more. And really, they're, they're all solid players. You know, maybe a Sheed and a Jones. Um, Sheed, obviously, with his ability to go forward. Jones, again, can play all over the ground with his pace. Mm but I just was looking at what they already have in the cats and it wasn't really feeling like much of an upgrade. So um, for me, very, very comfortable with Darcy van Jones, but what about the Dockers because oh, their, their original pick. Um, yeah. Just did not pan out.
1: There oh, are you know, these sliding door moments right throughout every draft, isn't there? And I'm sure if you were chatting to loose, Uh, to list builders and recruiting managers, they'd say the same things. And and again, we're far from anywhere near advanced like that. But I think think they find themselves torn here, Fremantle. Like, let's remember where where they found themselves at that period of time. Um, They were top three. (laughs) They were arguably one of the best teams going around in the league. They had a really, really strong midfield core three. And that was Fife, Mundy and Barlow they real like their possession count, those three like 500 plus disposals for the year for all of them. You look at the, what they're doing up front, they got a really interesting unit. Matty Pavlich didn't play a whole heap that year, only about half the games due to injury. But Walters, Main, and Ballantyne, are a really difficult forward three to match up on. And then you've got a Nat Five who's just building. He's only new to the club. He's just building. And so I think the, the dilemma that Fremantle find themselves in is, do you go and get arguably probably the best midfielder left on the board, which is Dom Sheed? Do you go and, and, and address that issue, knowing that in time, um, the next best midfielders you've kind of got, you've got guys like Suban, um, Stephen Hill, was even back then, um, you know, really good player, but was still showing you was missing games. Um, through there, you've got a Crowley, um, who you're using a lot through there. Spurs, still a part of your defensive unit. Do you go and fix your for- your midfield? Do you do you build someone to to stand alongside Fife? We know there's one player called Lockie Neal that's going to spend some time in there in future. Or do you go and fix your tools issue? Because you're playing... You look at how they played their forwards through that year. Because they didn't have Matty Pavlich... They flirted around with some really unique structures. They had Aaron Sanderlands flying through there. We know he's got some issues with his body um, through the year, Um, but that year, 10 games. So the ruck duties was left to Zach Clark and Jonathan Griffin. So that's where I think you find yourself. You find yourself, do you get lob or do you go sheed? I think luckily for them, they can't really go wrong at this point, but for me, They get who they have right now for me, and that's Rory Lobb. They get that player that can, when needed, because even the current Ruckman they've got in um, Sean Darcy, injury point, we know that he's confident and competent to play in that role. Equally, if there's that need for that extra tall avenue to goal, they go and get themselves that player. It means also in two years' time, when they overpay for a Cam McCarthy, They've already got that tall in there and they are likely save that draft pick and they can build through that midfield because in a couple of years' time, when they do give up that first-round pick for a Cam McCarthy, it's a really strong draft through that midfield area where they can now all of a sudden, they've got Neil. They've got Fife. By then Barlow's moved on. Mundy's still got some time in the sun to kind of go through there. All of a sudden, they can add that extra midfielder that probably stopped them from falling out through that middle period. We remember right now they're contending for premierships and then injuries and their kind of 22s to 25s kind of fall away when it comes to talent. They've got a role players that um, Ross Lyon loves, but they just lack that talent that was kind of elite through there. In two years' time in that 2015 draft, they would have been able to bustle that off. And so right now where it's Fife and Walters, and then it's the kids of Chera and Brayshaw that have that guy that's just that two years in between that would have resolved that gap, that Lockie Neal, unfortunately, leaving the club. So for me, I'm staying with the tall philosophy. I'm going to get myself a Rory lob in and through there.
0: I agree with you, MJ. What about these next two Saints picks? They didn't do a bad job at the time. Dunstan, Dunstan. yeah, not Yeah, not bad. I'm going to go somewhere different with the first one with the hope that you're going to back me up with the player... Oh. Don't. Another one after it. I'm, I'm going to take Dom Sheed. Okay. Um, he's probably going to play the role that Jack Billings plays in the side currently, which is yeah. predominantly wing pushing forward. Um, again, like Billings, we know Sheed can hit the scoreboard. I don't see him as an inside mid. I know he hasn't got that chance at West Coast. I don't see him doing that at St. Kilda either. I, I do like him, um, you know, working hard up and down the ground and then. Um, trying to hit the scoreboard when he can, you, you know, you'd love him to be a goal to, you know, three goals every two week type of player where he just, um, you know, can hit the scoreboard. Cause I think that's where he's at his best. Yeah. I just don't see him, his frame, um, you know, being the in and under mid. And again, we went through before how many of those players the saints have Again, yeah. they're not really addressing an inside midfield need with Steven Armitage. Um, we know Montagna's on the outside, but he gets a stack of ball. Clinton Jones is still a player. You know they were giving games to, and we know in the track down the track we've got Seb Ross on the list who's going to start emerging in the next few years. Yeah, um, I'm taking Dom Sheed again. Like it. It's a, it's probably you know he's in that tier below Billings for mine, but yep. again has similar skill sets in terms of you know marking, work rate, goals, all really solid across the board. Again, sometimes his kicking can be can be poor around yep. the ground, but. Um, Really hard worker. And I think if you gave him a wing and said, you know, work up and down this wing, he's going to help you out in attack and defense.
1: Yeah. I, it, I really like the Dom she picking again, remembering in, in what we've done through here earlier in the draft where they did get Jack Billings, we've gone and given them, let's be honest, an upgrade. And that's it.
0: That's it. Patrick Cripps. Josh Kelly.
1: Yeah. I mean, Patrick Cripps. Sorry, should I say. So, of
0: course, we're not addressing inside mid MJ. I'd forgotten we gave him Cripps. Well, we've already given him Cripps. Yeah, yep. so
1: they've got Cripps, they've gone and got Sheed, who can be a little bit of the Jimmy Bartell, Selly's All Gap kind of player for them. And so now you have backed me into a corner because what do I do? Who is that player that you're alluding to? Because I think I think they're looking for some outside class and skill, but do they want to add some something to that ageing midfield that we alluded to with Montagna? One more year left to go. Dal Santo is on his way out. Jones is the workhorse, but a tagger and not much else. And once Ross Lyon left the club, they didn't really use Jones to his full effect. Armitage is a workhorse. Steven is the burst player. Um, And so it's an interesting one. And that's kind of what I think they were hoping with Blake Akers, wasn't it? Is they get someone that could be a little bit of everything through there.
0: The player I originally had, who you've taken earlier, I I did have Alex Pierce. I thought if Alex Pierce could get here, Again, you think about Zach Dawson, the time he spent down yep. in defense and obviously did a really good job in the last few years. They've yeah. Dougal Howard's come in. I think yep. people are starting to realize that that Wilkie's exactly. a very, very solid player back there as well. Yeah. And and again, Carlisle's one that you know does a role when he's in there. Again, not quite the player he was at Essendon, but yep. still very solid. But in terms of pure shutdown, yeah. Mm. I think if you've got a guy like Alex Pierce, that would have been he would have been who they get where I want to go. And yeah, I, I I'd be looking for some some explosion. You listed yeah. that midfield for me, and we've already got Cripps and Sheed. Yeah, um, there's a, probably two guys that I'd be weighing up quite heavily. I'm
1: I'm, I'm I'm torn. It, look, James Aish I like, but I just don't think to that midfield he adds what I need. Especially knowing that I've got Patrick Cripps, I, I just don't feel like I need him. I do look at a player that I have now in my team in a Zach Jones who brings the run and carry. And I think, look, his foot skills aren't elite and amazing, but I like that. And then I look at a player that Port Adelaide got in this draft that later went to Hawthorne. And I go, look, Jarman Impey is everything that this midfield unit needs. He brings outside speed. He brings class. Um, He's almost, I think he's what Brad Hill is as well. Um, but he never really got the chance to fully. And of course, injury over the past 12 months has mean that we've never really seen that potential. It's not much of an early jump because he went at pick 21 to Port Adelaide in this draft, Uh, James Aish is unlucky. Uh, Maybe in a pick 20 when we talk about Gold Coast in a second, we see a Zach Jones going to that side. But for me, Jarman Impey just rounds out this midfield so well with his speed and class. It gives the likes of a Patrick Cripps the ability to be the bull. It lets Jack Stephen to be that in-and-out type of player. Armitage can still play a really central role for me through that sort of midfield. You've just gone and picked up a Dom Shee. Now I just need some explosion off that flanks, off halfback or off the wings. And so for me, Jarman Impey goes at number 19. Sorry, Blake Akers.
0: And MJ, I had this uh, the same player and I thought, not so much midfield for me. I was more thinking, again, an upgrade on, you know, Jaron Geary's savage eerie and, and obviously year. and obviously long as well yeah again i think what impy offers in attack yeah um i think that's where you're getting an upgrade on the likes of, of ben long and these type of guys and i think he's still a, a different type of player to you know a hunter clark's more of your distributor and nick yeah. coffield's probably a bit more um two-way player as well but i think yep. the pace that impy has and the versatility that you could play him forward you could play him wing you could play him half back um Just that difference maker in the Saints team, I think, would be... um,
1: And again, if I'm St. Kilda, knowing that you get Shane Savage as a part of the deals um, mm. via Hawthorne in this, maybe you look to Hawthorne and you don't need to go and get a Savage type of player. Maybe you're looking at the rest of that Hawthorne list in in, in a different sort of a lens and going, okay, you're offering us this guy that's a, a little on the outside, but maybe there's somebody a little bit more different. Maybe it's someone like a Jed Anderson. Um, who is on the Hawthorne list at this point in time that can be that in-and-out player? It was a bit injury-prone, uh- honestly, until the past two years for the best part. But he was on the Hawthorne list. So maybe that's where they choose to go instead is they head towards that sort of a territory. Uh, a young Will Langford was a little bit of a bull at a gate type of player. So again, maybe he's the sort of guy that they choose to look at um, and go through there. Again, we're going to keep Savage as the option that they get, but maybe if they had their eyes on, on someone like Jarman Impy, that they were pretty confident they were going to get in that pick maybe they just look elsewhere as an additional player. But Jordan Leslie is the last player that went in the top 20 to Gold Coast.
0: Where are you headed? Well, originally MJ, I I did have Zach Jones going to the Cats at at 16. I Mm. thought um, again, different type of player again, you know, with that burst he's got, again, versatile. um, Just gives him a different Avenue, because foot speed's not really something mm. um, that's in the Geelong game plan. Whether yeah. that's the way they want to play or just the bodies they've got, they don't usually have that. You know, line breaker. That's just not the way they obviously Dangerfield is, but yeah. he's more coming out of the centre. Whereas I don't think Jones would get into that side. I'd probably have to view him more as a half back. Yeah. Again, we know conversely that the Suns do like that. You know, run and gun. We know that they went after a Hanley. Harbrow's been a constant there, and they've yeah. played that type of style. But yeah. again, knowing what they've got coming with the likes of Lacocious Bose, I'm more inclined to take, I think, a defensive Ooh. avenue now. So Ooh. while I had on my board, you know, Zach Jones at 16, I think he's going to slide just by the needs of the Suns. Yep, and I think it's it's Jake Collajazni for me. Yeah, right. Wow. I think you know you see what a of Butterick's had to do in his first year. Taking on the likes of Cameron Papley, to have a guy that you could plug in there Mm. and be that guy to tame some of these really dangerous small forwards. Yeah, I think that's more of a need for mine, just because I think of the players that I'm bringing in as the as the Suns. Yeah, and maybe in the future we'll 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 have a crack at that draft where they had four in the top ten, and you'll have we'll have a little revisit. I think it was 2016 off the top of my head. Yeah, but I think sometimes we just don't give enough credence to these guys that actually do a really good job. And I know we're normally a fantasy podcast and Jake Cole would never come up in conversation, but he's a very good defender shut down and and to show that Butterick got that role in his first year shows the void they have in those type of players. And again, they've targeted the flash and the speed of the Hanley's and the Harbrows. But I think to have a guy that is in your side every week is a best 22 you know yeah. you've got the ball use of Bose and lacocious coming down the line. Yeah. I think this is the type of guy that you're actually just addressing a genuine football need here, and you're yeah. locking away a guy that is going to give you that. So I think, as again, as much as I had Jones earlier in, in my board to the Cats, just because of that line breaker, yeah. um, I'm going to have to let him slide a little bit further now and, and take Jake Colajasny.
1: I don't mind that because, look, you've got guys like, you know, Tom Murphy, Campbell Brown, Luke Russell, Jared Brennan. It's probably a little higher up the ground. Greg Broughton was playing a bit of a lockdown defensive role. This He's time.
0: replacing him really, isn't he, MJ? Yeah. That's the, He's the an thing improvement. Is, Yeah, exactly. And again, yeah, Matt Shaw was the type of guy they had on their list. But as I said, that was sort of the knock, wasn't it? It was the yeah. free running. There weren't really two concerns for defending. And you see mm. how deadly the likes of, like I mentioned, Cameron happily yeah. these type of guys are in the AFL now you need an answer to stop them. And yeah. again, Jake Cole, Jasney with his size, he can even go up and take, you know, that resting midfielder, the crips, yeah. the Dustin Martin, you know, these type of guys. So I think that versatility um, it's just something they lacked and they probably still do like, as I said, if you're given that role to a first year player and he's getting those type of matchups, um, I think having a Jake Jazzney would be a nice solution to that.
1: I like that. So if you want to look back through our 20 again, all the links uh, and you can see the pictures up at uh, coachespanel.tv. But of the current 20 that we have picked, only seven made it in the original top 20. At the players that missed our top 20 that were originally drafted in the top 20, Tom Boyd, Cade Color Matthew Scharenberg, James H, Nathan Freeman, Ben Lennon, Cam McCarthy, Zach Jones, Darcy Lang, Michael Apnus, Luke Dunstan, Blake Akers, and Jack Leslie. And about half of them aren't even on an AFL list anymore. Around about, it's probably closer to a third than a half. That is who we have as our list. Do you agree or disagree? You can let us know. And is there another year you want us to redraft? You've got the idea of what we're trying to do here. Uh, Send us a direct message on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Hit us up uh, through any of the social channels and let us know which year... Do you want us to redraft between now and the end of the, uh, the kind of football void that we find ourselves in between now and the next draft period? We're going to be doing that for you. What do you want to see as a year? And do you agree or disagree with our picks? Some first rounders that have slid out that probably would get picked up, picked up pretty quickly. Asian Jones are probably the two unlucky that were originally picked in the top 20. That probably aren't too far from being picked up uh, in that next batch, and again, injuries for a number of these guys has really impacted there. Collar Jazny, um, you could say the same for Tom Boyd, um, Sharonberg, uh, Nathan Freeman. Certainly, uh, the number of players that just—it's just bad luck. Plenty of talent, I mean, even all of them showed potential. But unfortunately, just for whatever reasons, physically couldn't get the most out of their potential. Hey, Kane, appreciate your work today, mate.
0: No worries, MJ. Thank you.
1: Uh, If you want to let us know who you'd like to see us redraft, uh, you can let us know via social media. For our Patreon supporters, you can still go and check out our player-by-player fantasy football reviews of every play that has moved during this trade period. We will give that to you as an exclusive reward just for our Patreons. And then as we head in towards December, late December, once the positions land, then there is a heap more stuff as we talk about your fantasy footy year of 2021. We hope you're doing well, my friends. And from me and Kane and from everyone else in the coaches panel, we hope you're well. We'll chat to you soon.